their confidence, their assurance, their, their standing was based on the idea that they had it figured out. They had an incredibly detailed rule book to follow. And if you just simply followed the rules, you were okay. They had a rule book approach to their faith. So look at just a few examples of how Jesus upsets the rule book, uh, truth collection, recipe version of faith. Listen to what he does. Uh, Mark chapter 2 uh, beginning at verse 18, and we're just going to look at a few little uh, vignettes, a few snippets of Jesus' teaching. So in uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 18, uh, John's disciples and the Pharisees uh, sometimes fasted. Uh, so that's one of the rules. Uh, if you go all the way back uh, through the pages of Scripture, all the way back into Exodus, um, and then into Leviticus, you'll see that there are some really detailed rules about fasting. What does God require of me? What is God like? How do I do faith? I follow the rule of fasting. So John's disciples and the Pharisees sometimes fasted. One day some people came to Jesus and said, so why did John's disciples and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And if you've ever noticed, religious people have the ability to make accusations in the questions that they're asking, and that's what's happening here. Uh, this isn't, this isn't um, um, genuine curiosity. This is accusation. This is, this is judgment. Why are the Pharisees fasting uh, as they should, you can imagine, uh, and, your, and your disciples don't do that? And this is what Jesus says. He said, do the wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while they're with the groom, but someday he will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And who would patch an old garment with unshrunken cloth for the new patch will shrink and pull away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger hole than before. And then this is a verse that we'll be uh, spending most of our time on today. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. The wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine needs new wineskins. And then a little bit uh, later, there's another discussion that happens. So there's a conversation about fasting. We all know the rules. You're not following the rules. Here's another one. Sabbath keeping. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his uh, disciples began breaking the heads off of the wheat. Uh, but the Pharisees said to Jesus, they shouldn't be doing that. They know the answer. They know the rule. They know what is true. And they're absolutely clear about it. And they say, you shouldn't be doing that. Tell them it's against the law to work by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. But Jesus said, haven't you ever read in the scriptures? So this is fascinating. Jesus takes them back to the same scriptures that the Pharisees themselves would be using to say that this is a law that you're breaking. Jesus takes them back to the scriptures and says, King David um, uh, did this when he and his companions were hungry. Uh, he went into the house of God during the days when uh, Abiathar was high priest ate the special bread reserved for the priests alone, and then gave some to his companions. That was breaking the law too. Yes. And then he says, but it doesn't really matter. Yes, breaking the law. Technically, you're right, but it doesn't really matter. Then he said to them, why? This is why. The Sabbath was made to benefit people and not people to benefit the Sabbath. He said, I, the Son of Man, am master of even the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus changes everything. One more, uh, a little bit later on, 
and uh, maybe you haven't wrestled a whole lot with whether or not you should be fasting or not fasting or judging people who fast or judging people who don't fast. Uh, maybe you don't wring your hands a lot about Sabbath keeping. Uh, but here's one that um, is really um, close to home for many of us, literally. Uh, in chapter 3, verse uh, 31, uh, uh, Jesus is not only going to change the rules about fasting, he's not only going to change the rules about Sabbath, but now he's going to change the rules about family. Uh, this is what happens. Jesus' mother and brothers arrived at the house where Jesus was teaching, and they stood outside and uh, sent word for him to come out and talk to them. Um, there was a crowd around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers and sisters are asking outside for you. And Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are these people that you're talking of? And then he looked at those around him and said, uh, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and my mother. Jesus redefines the family. Uh, he says, I know what you think. I know what they think. Uh, they know that the rule is that I have to honor my parents and that I have to be responsive and put them uh, in a place of priority. And if my mother summons me, I'm supposed to be responsive to that summons. I know the rule. Everybody knows the rule. But Jesus is saying, I'm not disputing the rule. I'm, I'm, I'm disputing the premise. I'm, I'm, I'm disputing the fact that... Uh, that, you're, that you've defined family too narrowly. It's an old wineskin, and I have some new wine to put into it. In each case, Jesus turns the old rule onto its head. He asks people to think more deeply, to think and to pay attention and to wonder and to follow. What is he saying? So let's look at this image of uh, the new wine just a little bit more closely. So when Jesus says... Um, the fasting is no longer relevant at this point. Uh, it's like putting old wine and new skins and, and new wine into old skins. What is that all about? When wine is new, as you know, right, it still is in a state of uh, fermentation. Uh, so the wine uh, will be off-gassing or be bubbling and fermenting, and whatever container it's in uh, will continue to expand, right? Today, we just buy boxes of wine. Most of us don't worry about switching the skins out as we uh, change our collection of Merlot or uh, whatever it is we have in our in our cellars, right? Uh, so um, what you would have is um, uh, you would take a fresh, pliable wine skin uh, to put this new, still fermenting, still bubbling, still off-gassing wine into the skin because the skin would be pliable and could absorb the expansion and age with the wine uh, until the fermentation process was complete. If you put fresh wine into an old wine skin, uh, you're asking for trouble, right? The old wine skin has already assumed a definite shape. Uh, it's been sort of calcified in that shape. It's fixed, it's brittle. Uh, and so the activity of the new wine, the, the expansion of the new wine, would be beyond its ability to yield in both the wine and the skin, says Jesus, would be lost. So what's the point? Here's the point. You can't put new ideas into old mindsets. You can't put new ideas into old mindsets. Jesus is saying, I'm here to announce the beginning of something that is completely new. This is beyond anything that you've ever dreamed of. And you can't put these new ideas into your old mindsets. Jesus is saying you can't simply fit uh, what I'm doing into the existing ways in the, in the living that has defined the Jewish people up until this point. You can't get to God's kingdom by just following the old rules. 
You can't put new ideas into old mindsets. You can't get new results from old behaviors. No, what's needed instead is the ability to do something new, a new container, something new to listen, to pay attention, to wonder, to say, what is the fresh thing that God is saying? How is God at work now in this place, in this day, in this story? In other words, the Bible tells the story of God's people learning wisdom, not just following recipes. And Jesus here is the leading wisdom teacher. So specifically, what is this new thing that Jesus is announcing? He's saying, I'm announcing all throughout my ministry the arrival of God's kingdom, the arrival of the kingdom of God. Now, when we think about nations or countries, probably more than kingdoms, uh, when we think about nations or countries or kingdoms, we know that there are borders and we know that there are certain characteristics of each individual nation or country or kingdom that will tell you when you have moved from one nation into another nation. right? So if you drive from uh, um, um, Port Huron into Sarnia, some things change. right? There's a gate that you have to go through. You have to talk to a uniformed uh, um, uh, official. Uh, suddenly the flags are different. Uh, suddenly my cell phone beeps and it tells me that I've, uh, uh, my service has been changed. Uh, as I, as I, I get further into this new land, um, I start to notice that the language is different, the food is different, the music is different, the art is different, everything is different, and it all signals that you are no longer in the country that you were once in. You're in a new place. Uh, when I, a number of years ago, when I first started working with congregations uh, in Ontario, somebody sat down with me and said, you know when you come here to Ontario... It isn't just like you're in a different country. You really are in a different country, right? We're not just, right? It's really different, right? And, and we get that. Every nation, every country, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a bundle of things that communicates to us. It says we're in a new country. It's not just like a different place. It's a different place. And that's how it is with God's kingdom as well, right? From the time of Mount Sinai all the way to the uh, time of Jesus, the mark of being in God's kingdom was that you were around sorts of people that followed God's laws. You were around the sorts of people that fasted and feasted and, and did sacrifices and worshipped in a certain way and kept one sort of lazy day every week and nobody else around them could understand why they were doing that. Uh, when you were in the midst of people like that, that was the marker, the flag, the culture, the music, the art that said you're in a different country. You're in God's country now. You're in God's kingdom. But now Jesus is saying those old features, those old characteristics that used to tell you that you're in God's kingdom, those are no longer the thing that tell you that. Now God's kingdom has just gotten bigger. It would be as if Canada just enveloped uh, most of the United States. right? God's kingdom has just gotten bigger. And now it isn't just a flag or it isn't just a music or, or language or culture. It isn't just those things that you used to look at. Now he says uh, the sign of being in God's kingdom is the presence of God's spirit. Wherever God's spirit is present, God's kingdom is present. And you need to understand that the Bible is filled with symbols trying to, to express and articulate what it is that the spirit of God is up to. Who is the spirit of God? How is the spirit of God at work? What is, how do we grasp and, and, and invite the spirit of God into our life? And one of the symbols of the spirit in the New Testament is, this, this, is new wine. This new wine is the Spirit of God being poured out, redefining the people of God, redefining the nature 
of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is wherever God's spirit is present. It's the new wine. Don't pour the new wine of God's fresh spirit that's currently being poured out back into the old, brittle, fixed wineskins of all those old legal requirements. Everything is being redefined. Now, from our perspective today, followers of Jesus, we might say, this is so obvious. You've just you know, taken 15 minutes to say something that we all understand. It's so blatantly obvious to us. None of us are fasting. None of us are uh, sacrificing anymore. None of us are, uh, uh, are, are uh, uh, doing uh, uh, Sabbath-keeping the way that uh, the, the laws were required. None of us are doing those things anymore. So obvious to us, it's so clear. But for Jesus' contemporaries, the right answer, um, the right answers, the right rules were what were clear and obvious. So for Jesus' contemporaries, what was obvious was you follow the Sabbath rules. For Jesus, the, the, the clear and obvious thing was you fast at the right time. For Jesus' contemporaries, the, the clear answer was if your mother calls, you get up and go. Family first, honor your parents. In other words, Jesus' contemporaries didn't know that they had old wineskins. Right? They didn't recognize. They thought that the way that they were doing things, everything was still viable. It was still useful. They didn't know that God was pouring out new wine, the new presence of his spirit. They didn't know that the old wineskins and the new spirit were on this collision course. We can see it from our vantage point. But Jesus is redefining here 2,000 years of culture and tradition around fasting and Sabbath and family rules. He's redefining it. In the moment, they couldn't see it. They were blind to it. So here's one way the Bible teaches us wisdom. The Bible teaches me wisdom by leading me to ask this question. So then, what am I blind to? What is the old wineskin that I'm still clinging to? What's easy to see in somebody else is terribly difficult to see in me. But the pages of the Bible the story of God walking with God's people over and over and over again alert me to the possibility, the probability that I'm holding on to some old, worn-out wineskins too. So what might that be? I just came up with a handful of random examples to illustrate um, the kind of thinking that I'm suggesting. Old wineskin might be a particularly culturally defined worship style. I take what I like, what I'm comfortable with, what I prefer, what I grew up with, and I elevate it to a law. A worship style could be an old wineskin. Uh, the role of women in church could be an old wineskin. Uh, uh, taking what once was an old cultural norm, old cultural assumptions, old cultural practices, and assuming uh, 
that that has become a universal reality. Maybe uh, the relationship between my faith and my politics. Uh, What is the relationship between faith and politics? Uh, The church has had uh, hundreds of different answers to that and continues to have hundreds of different answers to that. All kinds of different versions of either. uh, They're utterly separate. The two will never meet, right? And, and, And that can mean either my faith doesn't have any influence on my politics or my politics has no influence on my faith. Completely separate. Or somehow they overlap. Or they're one and the same. But is that an old wineskin? Has God given the last final word about that to you, to his people? Is there any space, any room that God could be doing something new and fresh and calling his people to say, I need to re-examine and re-evaluate and listen again? Maybe the old wineskin is how I relate to my family. We live in a culture that... uh, veers either towards ignoring family, disconnecting from family, abdicating responsibility for family on the one hand, or uh, worshiping my family and idolizing my family. It's old wineskins. Has God said the last word to you that he wants to say to you about how you relate to your family? Maybe... How does God relate to people of other faiths? Is God at work in any other place, in any other faith, in any other community? My old answers may be correct, but they could be old wineskins. What is God's Spirit saying today? What I'm saying is that anywhere an old mindset has become fixed and rigid and final, that's a place where I want to be alert, that I might learn some wisdom. I want to stay especially open. What is the new wine that might be poured out here? Is there a way that I'm being called to learn wisdom, to adapt, to expand, to extend my old assumptions? Old mindsets. Jesus says the kingdom of God is bigger than you can imagine. And if nothing else, the challenge of the new wine into the new skins urges us to be humble and tentative about our conclusions. The kingdom of God is bigger than you can imagine. You haven't got it all figured out yet. You haven't. Stay open. Let me close by just doing a thought experiment with you. Some of you have heard this experiment before. Imagine with me for a moment that there's a circle here in front of us. And that circle represents everything that there is to know. All the knowledge that exists anywhere, heaven and on earth. All knowledge is contained in that circle. Now, if you had that circle in front of you that contained all knowledge, everything that there is to know in heaven and on earth, you could begin to divide that up in a a couple of different ways. You could take a piece of pie out of that circle 
And you could say this pie piece represents all of that, out of all of that knowledge that exists, these are the things that I know that I know. I know these things. I know that I know these things. And we could go through the room and spend years and years and years having everybody recite all of the things that you know that you know. For example, I know my cell phone number. I know my address. Uh, I know how to read Greek. Uh, I know how to navigate my car from my house to, to work. I know that I know those things. And you have things that you know that you know. And then if you went back to that big, huge circle that it represented and encased all the knowledge that's possible, all knowledge that exists in heaven and on earth, and you took out one piece of pie that represented what you know that you know, right next to it you could have a second slice of pie. And that slice of pie would be all of the things that you know that you don't know. Uh, there are things that you just know that you don't know. Uh, for me, in that slice of pie, I know that I don't know how to play the piano. Right, So uh, I'm really thankful that Alyssa knows how to do that, because I can't. Right? I know that I don't know how to do that. I'm not confused about that. I'm not ever tempted to come in and say, hmm, I wonder if I should be the piano player today. I don't even wonder about that. I know that I don't know how to play the piano. I know, okay, this is going to get vulnerable. Um, I know that I don't know anything about the periodic table. <laughs> See? It, look at, look at, uh, okay. Let's, let's just be honest. I don't know anything about chemistry, period, right? I know that I don't know anything about chemistry, right? I know that I don't know anything much about anything about science in general, right? I know that I don't know those things. I'm not going to pretend that I do, right? I'm not going to be applying for a job in the lab. I'm not going to be doing any of those things. I know that I don't know those things. So there are some things that we know that we know, some things that we know that we don't know. But that leaves a huge universe of things. And what's in that space? Those are the things that we don't even know that we don't know. Those are the things that we don't even know that we don't know. And here's what happens. Most of us, when we think about discipleship, when we think about church, when we think about improving ourselves, most of us say what we want to do is move some of the things that we know that we don't know into the category of the things that we know that we know. Right? Most of us say, what I want to do is if I want to improve myself, if I want to grow a little bit, I know that I don't know very much about the Trinity, so I'm going to learn some things about the Trinity. I know that I don't know how to play the piano, so I'm going to play the piano. I know that I don't know anything about chemistry, so I'm going to get a tutor and learn something. If I'm going to grow, if I'm going to improve, if I'm going to change, most of us take the approach of just taking some of the things that live in the category of I don't, I don't know this to the category of I do know that. But wisdom means somehow I have to get access to this whole universe that I don't even know that I don't know. And I have to begin to move that into the category of things that I know. What lives in that place of things that you don't even know that you don't know? One of the things Jesus says is, you don't know what the Spirit of God is up to. Uh, you don't even know that you don't know what God is doing next. If I want to know what I don't even know that I don't know, if I want to grow in wisdom, the invitation is that I begin to do the work of listening to God's Spirit, to letting the new wine be poured out into my life. 
to pay attention, to wonder, to seek, to live with curiosity, to live with humility, to live with openness, and to let God be God. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, this time together. Thank you that your spirit is here. Uh, Thank you for a teaching that we can retrieve from 2,000 years ago and still find life in that teaching today. Thank you for the way that uh, you are at work. Thank you for the ways that your spirit is continuing to speak. And we thank you for that. Help us to be people who hear in Jesus' name. Amen. An infant.